Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Believe in Memphis football podcast. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and this week we have a lot to talk about. want to talk about signing day, Memphis's 2021 class, big recruiting day on Monday, December 21st for Ryan Silverfield and the staff. want to get into that and then want to do a little Montgomery Bowl preview. So we got a lot to get into today, but as I mentioned, want to start with signing day in the 2021 class. On Wednesday, Ryan Silverfield and the staff wrapped up 15 signees, which was obviously a, a big thing for the program uh, with with the way that signing day is now. I know National Signing Day is still technically in February, but college staffs try to get as many players locked up in December as possible. So to get 15 in that period is big for Ryan Silverfield and the staff. And not only did they get you know 15 signees, but they get the majority of their top prospects to sign, including the top prospect in the class and Andrew Jones. So that's a massive get. Landing Andrew in general was big, but to go ahead and get him to sign in December, it, you really can't overstate that because he's a guy that could come in and has the potential to make an immediate impact. So to get him signed uh, and get him on campus in January is big. He's a bit undersized as a linebacker, 6'2", 200 pounds. So to go ahead and get him on campus, start putting weight on him, get him in the weight room, get him acclimated to the system. Uh, he'll go through spring practice, so he'll he'll begin learning the playbook when he gets on campus, get acclimated to his teammates, to his coaches. You, you really couldn't ask for a better scenario or a set, set of situation there when it comes to Andrew Jones. So it was big to lock him up. A couple other guys they locked up in the class that I, that I know they're excited about. Um, when you start looking at guys like Cameron Wright, the receiver from South Panola, not not necessarily as highly rated of a prospect, but uh, someone that they think can make can make an impact pretty quickly. Six foot four wide receiver adds size. You know, if you know if you pay attention to Memphis recruiting in the twenty twenty class, they got a lot of smaller guys with speed. So getting a guy like Cameron Wright to go ahead and jump on board at six foot four with that kind of size is is very good. Um, another We'll talk about signing day flips. They got a couple of signing day flips that were that were big for them. So on Thursday night, Tyrese Johnson, three-star receiver who was committed to Arizona, decommitted after Kevin Sumlin was fired. Uh, the Sunday after he was fired, Tyrese decommitted. He committed to Memphis on Thursday. Another bigger-bodied receiver, 6'1", 190, plays quarterback and receiver in high school. A guy that they had... Been targeting since in the spring and summer, and had a couple other receivers that they that they chose to take over him, and everything ended up coming back full circle there, as he decommitted from Arizona and and chose Memphis. He did not sign yet; plans on signing in February, but getting him locked up is big because, like I said, they need bigger body receivers. They got one signed in Cameron Wright, and to get another one in Tyrese Johnson is is definitely big for them. A couple other guys I'm excited about, and I know the staff is as well. Royce White is uh, the second, their second highest overall commit that signed. Uh, offensive tackle was their actually their first commit for the 2021 class. Um, it, it, he's not as big as you would want someone coming into college being 6'4", 250, but I don't think that's accurate. The last time I spoke with him, he was actually 275 and, and trying to get up to 285, 290 before he arrived on campus. And he's coming in in January, so I, I believe he's bigger than 250. 
Ryan Silverfield is extremely excited about him. think he'll be a tackle at the next level. And Ryan Silverfield said in his signing day press conference that SEC schools were trying to get him to commit the night before signing day. So to, last Tuesday night, he still had SEC programs calling him, trying to get uh, get him on board there. So that lets you know the caliber of player he is. And it also says a lot about the staff that they were able to keep him even though some bigger schools were trying to get back in. Tyrell Raby, corner from Louisiana, decommitted from Memphis in November uh, with Andrew Jones. They decommitted at the same time, and then they committed at the same time. So can't can't overstate how big it is to get both of that, those guys back on board and to get them signed and go ahead and lock them up and win those recruiting battles. I actually spoke to both of them. Uh, both of them told me you know, they, they kind of got caught up in the big school hype and we're thinking about going to bigger schools, and, and at the end of the day, they realize that the place for them was Memphis. That's the staff they had the best relationship with. They feel like they have the best chance to succeed at Memphis. Um, they'll both likely get early playing time at Memphis. So there was a lot of factors that went into that, uh, but I know the early playing time is, is big for both of them, and they should get it, uh, specifically Tyrell, who I mean, we know Memphis's secondary has struggled this year to get a guy like him on board. He's not enrolling until the summer, but just to get him signed and and you know that's done now is a big deal. Go back to Andrew Jones for a second. I know I've talked about him already, but Memphis could be losing a lot at the linebacker spot and to get a guy like him to come in in January. He told me the first time I talked to him over the summer when he committed that he runs, I believe, in the low four fours. I think he told me a four four eight. So that's uh that's pretty incredible for an inside linebacker, regardless if he's six foot two hundred or not. So. Uh, some big gets. Uh, another guy, Greg Rubin, a local guy, one of the few local guys in this class. A guy actually got the uh, got to go out and watch in person during some seven on seven drills over the summer. Uh, love his game, competitive, physical, uh, great mentality. He's had some great coaches throughout his career, so uh, I think he's an underrated get for Memphis. He comes in over the summer. Or he comes in uh in January he's early enrollee so that's big for him to get on campus learn the playbook. I think his style translates perfectly to to the college level. Like I said, physical, tough, competitive, it all uh, it all goes very well. So I think I think that's perfect. I think that's perfect for them to lock him up. Another signing day flip, McCalen Pounders. This one was really really big for Memphis. Uh, they we know they need offensive line help. They only had one. Uh, in the in the class with Royce White, so to get McCalen Pounders on signing day, who was initially committed to Mississippi State, they filled up and had to turn him away. Then he was committed to Ole Miss, they filled up and turned him away. He was actually committed to Ole Miss silently behind closed doors, hadn't announced it yet, was planning to announce it on Thursday, uh, and then they turned him away. So he ended up choosing Memphis, and that and that's just how recruiting works. Sometimes that's that's why you build relationships with these kids. That's why you have those relationships. Is so when something like that happens, you know, some people may say, well, you're the last resort. It really doesn't matter. You got the kid, you landed him, he's on board at your school. So at the end of the day, it worked out just how you wanted it to. So I, I think that's a big get for them. Obviously, a guy that was SEC level, the, those SEC schools just didn't have enough spots. So a high level guy that Memphis gets there with incredible size, six foot six, 300 pounds, gigantic kid, uh, can come in and compete right away. Played tackle in high school, listed as a guard on 247 Sports. Um, when Coach Silverfield talked about him, he seemed to think he's going to play tackle at the next level. 
I think they'll try him at multiple spots, and that's how you kind of go with offensive linemen anyway is you try him at multiple spots, see where they best fit. So he has the athleticism and size to play tackle, but if they feel like they're better off at that position and need him on the interior, I feel confident that he can play on the interior as well. So another big get there. Uh, a couple other guys I want to talk about, J.P. Martin, a guy that I also got to watch over the summer during 7v7s. Love his game. Memphis uh, struggled at, at the running back position this year once Kenny Gainwell left. Uh, Asa Martin, I think, in my opinion, is their best overall running back, their best all-around running back. Um, but I think J.P. Martin's a better receiver than him. Uh, as far as a pure running back, I think Asa's probably a little bit better. But for J.P. to come in as a freshman, he will get here over the summer. I love his game. I know he's planning on going ahead and learning the system. Uh, while he's you know finishing high school and finishing uh, graduating, so I love his game. I think he could come in and and play immediately. When you look at the running back room, Rodriguez Clark is a good pure running back, but doesn't offer much receiving upside. Colin Watkins took a step back this year. Asa Martin didn't have a ton of success. I think a lot of that can be accredited to the offensive line, but I, I don't I don't hate giving J P Martin a shot off the rip. So another guy I can't wait to see. And uh, I've had a lot of questions about guys that didn't sign and why they didn't sign. I know some of these guys have already signed and are waiting until February. One of those guys specifically was uh, Javon Nelson, three-star defensive end from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. 6'3", 265, adds immediate size, uh, top 700 player in the country. Kind of came out of nowhere. He had released a top five and was Vanderbilt, Virginia, Virginia Tech, a couple other SEC schools, and ultimately chose Memphis because he didn't feel like playing the waiting game on signing day. So committed to Memphis the week before signing day. And once again, that goes back to the point I'm making about, you know, it always doesn't it doesn't always matter if you're if you're uh if you're being publicized as the school to beat, because at the end of the day, if you have the best relationship and some other things go sideways, then you could still end up landing the kid, and that that goes to that goes to prove with Javon Nelson, Tyrese Johnson, McKaylen Pounders, all three of those guys. It didn't seem like they were going to go to Memphis, but the staff kept building that relationship, and that's that's ultimately how it worked out and how they ended up at Memphis. So overall, I absolutely love this class. I think it will go down as the best in school history, uh, even if it doesn't rankings wise. I think this this class, this twenty twenty one class, will have the biggest impact that a class has ever had at the University of Memphis. And Coach Silverfield and the staff added to that class on Monday. And they didn't do it through high school kids. They did it through transfer. So it won't count towards the rankings necessarily, but it will certainly count on the field. Um, We know earlier in the year they got Peter Parrish, a quarterback from LSU, transferred. So that was one big transfer that counts to this class. But the two guys that they got on Monday – our former top 60 players, the two highest-rated players that have ever come to the University of Memphis, and that is former Michigan State offensive lineman Devontae Dobbs and former Michigan State cornerback Julian Barnett. So this both happened on Monday within a couple of hours of each other. Silverfield was able to land the two highest-rated commits in school history. Devontae Dobbs was first on Monday morning, Julian Barnett a couple hours later. I actually spoke to Devontae Dabbs after he committed 6'4", 304 pounds, just a massive human being, the number one overall guard coming out of high school, number 51 overall player, highest rated commit ever in Memphis history. Uh, Obviously, the first thing he adds is size. We know Memphis has had some undersized offensive linemen over the past several years, so to get him on board 
is absolutely massive. Uh, I think he comes in and probably starts right away. He told me he's already signed. We'll be there in January. I think he. I think he's a, a immediate contributor. I think he comes on board immediately and makes an impact on that offensive line. I think a guy like him it, it can start at any of the five spots at Memphis. Just a matter of where they feel like they need him most. I don't even think it's necessarily a matter of where he fits best. I think it's just where they need him most because I think he will excel at any of the five positions. So. Massive get. Offensive line struggled this season to get a guy like him on top of Royce White and McKaylin Pounders. Yeah, it's it's so big for the staff to be able to do that. They addressed a major need in getting Devontae Dobbs, and then they also uh, addressed another major need by reeling in Julian Barnett. So, like I said, both those guys, Michigan State transfers, they played high school together. They signed together to go to Michigan State. Uh, things weren't going well under Mel Tucker and the new staff at Michigan State, so they decided to transfer. And due to the relationship that Ryan Silverfield had been with, uh, had built with Devontae Dobbs, they end up choosing Memphis. And Julian Barnett, corner coming out of high school, number fifty-seven overall player in the class, number eight overall cornerback, started his career at Michigan State as a wide receiver, uh, moved to corner this past season. I think at Memphis he's likely going to be a defensive back, six-two, one hundred ninety pounds. Uh, we know Memphis needs help in the secondary, not so much at receiver. Um, so I think he immediately comes in and can be a starting corner from day one. It's how good, it's how talented this guy is. Uh, we'll see, obviously. Uh, I haven't I haven't spoken to him yet. I did spoke to Dobbs, like I mentioned. So I don't know if he's coming in in January, but I would imagine he's signing and will be here in January. Um, but the size is the first thing that jumps off the page. Like I said, 6'2", 190 for a corner is is a big, big corner. Uh, very versatile, very athletic, has great fluidity in his hips, uh, can play either side of the ball wherever they feel like they need him at. But like I said, in my opinion, that's that's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. But if they end up losing receiver, some receivers and, and feeling that he fits best at, you know, in the receiving core and ma- can make the biggest impact there, then that's where he should be. But uh, we, will, we will see where he ends up going. But as I mentioned, you can't give enough credit to Ryan Silverfield and the staff for what they did. Uh, landing the two highest-rated commits in school history within hours of each other is is absolutely incredible. And uh, I know it, I know they're transfers, so you can say what you want to say about that. But at the end of the day, this is the two highest-rated players that ever come to the University of Memphis, and to get them on the same day is absolutely incredible and a testament to what uh, Ryan Silverfield and the staff are doing on the recruiting trail. Can't say enough about what about about what they were able to do with this class because uh, I think they have a lot of guys that come in and making an um, immediate impact. Um, so that really wraps up the 2021 discussion. I expect them to continue looking at the transfer portal. On portal, I know some other guys that they're already looking at and speaking to in the transfer portal, um, and we'll see how that develops because they they still got some targets out there and. We'll see if they can win out on those too, but I wouldn't bet against Ryan Silverfield and the, and the staff at this point. So moving along, got a few minutes left. I want to talk about Montgomery Bowl, Memphis's bowl game against FAU coming up on Wednesday, December 23rd. It's not great. I know it's not a great bowl game, especially coming off the Cotton Bowl. First ever New Year's Six Bowl last year, and now you're going to play FAU in Montgomery. But at the end of the day, it's a bowl game. It's an opportunity to win another game. And I don't even think that's why it's such a big deal for Memphis. I don't think it, you know playing in a bowl game is a big deal or playing another game is a big deal. 
I think getting the extra week and a half, two weeks of practice is what matters for this team because, as we know, they didn't get to practice nearly as much as normal. Uh, caused a lot of communication issues, a lot of growing pains during the middle of the season. So they're going to take advantage of those practices and get as many practices in as they can. So that is a positive thing, if you ask me. Uh, I mean, it's not a great bowl game. I get that. Montgomery Bowl is not great. FAU is not great. But getting the extra practices, I think, is what's important. Now, I'm sure everyone's hoping they'll win the game, and they should win the game. They're the better team. They should finish with an 8-3 and record and a, and a bowl win for the first time in quite some time. And... um and that's big. That's big for this team's morale. It's it's big for the future. It's big for moving forward. So I know a lot of people are kind of blah about going to the Montgomery Bowl and it's you know not a great bowl game, but it is what it is. You go play your bowl game, you get a win, you get a bowl win, finish the season eight and three, get extra practices. And to me, that's a win. So I, I think it is what it is. Uh just enjoy the game, enjoy enjoy it uh, before your Christmas, the day before Christmas Eve. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be somewhat fun. I think people have been a little pessimistic about it, but I would just sit back and enjoy it and uh, take it for what it's worth, take it for what it is. Uh, enjoy Brady White's last game. I think it's, I think it's really a respect thing at this point with with everything that he's done for the program, for the university, that he's uh, playing his last game in a Memphis uniform, more than likely. In a bowl game, I think everyone wants to see him get a bowl game win, knowing that he's lost uh, all of his bowl games at Memphis so far against Wake Forest and Penn State and some pretty heartbreaking losses. So I'm sure everyone wants to see him get a win, and not just for him, for all the seniors, uh, to see Ryan Silverfield do something that uh, Mike Norvell never could and win a bowl game, which would make at least three or four things that Ryan Silverfield's done in his first year that Norvell could never do and never did at Memphis, which is – Beat Navy on the road, beat UCF, win a bowl game, and he's also got the two highest rated commits in school history. So I know a lot of people have been down on this year, and it, it wasn't the same caliber as last year. They're, they didn't finish the season 12-1 and one and play in a New Year's Six Bowl, but the foundational pieces that are going in, the things that are being built toward the future right now is, is really what I care about and, to me, really what's imperative. So take this season for what it was, a first-year head coach with no practices, no spring and a completely new defensive staff. Take it for what it is. Going seven and three, hopefully eight and three, winning a bowl game and and having a pretty nice list of accomplishment for a first year head coach. So uh, I appreciate you guys for sticking in with me. Had a lot to talk about today. Try to jam it all into twenty minutes. Um, if you have any questions, follow me on Twitter at cfowler two four seven. Feel free to reach out and ask me any Memphis related football basketball questions. I'll be happy to answer. But as for that, uh, like I said, I appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That is all we have for today. I am Christian Fowler, and I appreciate you for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.